What London Can Be is brought to you by London Community Foundation, an organization dedicated to improving communities across London and Middlesex County. Welcome to What London Can Be, the podcast where we navigate our shifting world, shine a light on the issues our city is facing, and explore the innovative Made in London solutions to critical challenges in our community. I'm Diane Silva, Director of Philanthropy at Lenin Community Foundation. Today I'm joined by Chuck Lazenby, Executive Director at the Unity Project, to talk about the recent Homelessness Summit in London, the anonymous $25 million donation which started the Health and Homelessness Fund for Change, and how things might change going forward. Hi Chuck, it's great to have you back. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty good this morning. I think we should do a quick recap. Last season, when we had you on our show, you talked about how the pandemic forced a system change, where your services pivoted to a hoteling model as people had to isolate. Can you explain how you went from that system to where you're at today? Yeah, I mean, I think the pivot was um, possible because there was an urgency and an emergency. And, you know, the pivot was possible because we all worked more hours than we would usually do. And I I mean, I think in particular, this sector is quite resilient and resourceful. And, you know, um, you know, our participants that we serve are also quite resilient and resourceful. And so that combination of, I think, people involved allows that to happen, right? Um, We're not perfectionists either. I think we should recognize that, (laughs) you know? We're okay with like just trying it out and 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 seeing if it works. And I and I think that's the reality of the situation. Everybody just had to quickly respond, and there was no room for perfection. You just had to figure it out, right? Yeah, we were all learning as we went. Yeah, right. And so fast forward to today, uh, where is the sector on this front? Like, how have things improved, or have things gotten worse? In terms of pandemic or? No, I don't mean in the pandemic, but it, well, uh, in terms of your service delivery, your ability to provide the -hmm. services that Unity Project does to the clients that you serve. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, a a good point to talk about it from a community perspective. And I'll I'll touch, I'll put Unity Project specifically into there as well. But uh, the pandemic, certainly things have gotten worse. Um, you know, we are experiencing, I think, uh, more individuals who are landing into homelessness. Um, rents are just unattainable for folks on the lowest income spectrum. Um, and you know, it's, it's been a serious crisis, uh, in our community. Um, and I think over the, the couple of years we have, tried a lot of different things to uh, address that crisis, to, you know, um, meet that challenge and try to get people in off the street and add more services and add more supports. And, um, you know, certainly have done all that we can, you know, in within our resources and our capacity to do so. But it certainly remains a crisis in our community that's, that's very significant and much more significant than I've seen in two decades of doing this work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, um, you know, a few weeks ago, 
Uh, we all had the great pleasure of hearing uh, the mayor's uh, state of the city address. And I feel that he had quite, uh, Mayor Josh Morgan had quite the drop the mic moment when he announced that uh, this new fund, the Health and Homelessness Fund for Change, which is held at Lenin Community Foundation, uh, with an anonymous donation of $25 million plus a $5 million matching gift campaign. And the whole idea of the fund is to tackle homelessness and to really change systemically um, how the service providers are providing their services right now. So do you think, how do you think this is all going to play out? I know that um, a lot of the funding is going to be tied to the recommendations out of the Health and Homelessness Summit. And maybe if you could share your experience, um, because you've been actively part of the summit, like how do you see this all playing out? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a a great question and one I probably don't have all the answers to. Um, but I think maybe where I'll touch on is, you know, I've been at a lot of, um, you know, big meetings in the community, opportunities for system change. I've seen the system change so much over, over time. And I think what felt different about this is that we saw more sectors than just, you know, what would be considered the homeless serving sector at the table. Mm -hmm. um, and that's everything from developers to businesses to, you know, um, the hospital um, and, and other health agencies. And I think that the broadening the, um, the the people that are at the table and the sectors at the, at the table is a real recognition of the fact that homelessness is, is um, you know, touching all parts of our community and it's necessary for everybody to be at the table to be a part of that solution. And that's really inspiring. Um, and I think that it didn't, you know, by the third meeting, sometimes you can start with that first meeting. It's all like, whoa, this is good motivation, you know, go, go, go. And that can kind of trickle off, but that didn't happen um, here. And I think that that certainly that investment by that, uh, that donor has really kept that um, inspiration there and kept that, you know, hopefulness going and, um, and that what we're seeing at that table is a commitment to that collaboration. And I do think it's important for people to understand that we're not, it isn't about tearing the system down and building it all up again. It is about building on the strengths of our system. It's not like we don't do good work every single day. And it's not like we haven't done good work every single day in this community, working with individuals experiencing homelessness. Um, but we've learned a lot of lessons. And, and as we've built different supports and services, we've also learned a lot of those gaps. Um, and I think this is a very significant opportunity to try to fill in those gaps um, and, you know, improve the way in which we do our work. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you. I, uh, myself and another colleague from LCF, Lori Runciman, we attended the final summit and I agree with you. I was, we've attended ourselves several community consultation at led initiatives and this one was completely different. I, it was so beautiful to see, like you said, the hospitals, the university, the college, uh, Lenin Economic Development Center, like all of these players and working collaboratively and trying to leverage resources. So, yeah, that's very promising. And I can see how this $25 million donation can actually give legs to this, right? So, but do you think that will be enough? 
right? So where where long term, the sustainability of it, because we do have to think in those terms, where do you think the gaps are? Where do we need to be also paying attention? Yeah, well, one of the things we've said through, um, I mean, throughout the past two decades, quite frankly, but in particular over the past few years, as we've seen just the crisis escalates in our community is we need a significant investment in the programs that are responding to the on the ground emergency that we're experiencing now. At the very same time, we need a significant investment in changing public policy, particularly around uh, you know, social assistance rates, which are uh, entirely insignificant. They don't allow, it's not a safety net, right? It's not a safety net for people anymore. Um, and and uh, around access to truly affordable, deeply affordable and accessible housing. Those two things are foundational to our work and to the success of our work. And as long as they remain inadequate, um, we we'll always have barriers and we'll always be seeing more people land into the system uh, that don't need to, if those things were taken care of. Right. Um, And so if we don't at the same time use this opportunity to leverage for that change, we will be back again in five years Mm -hmm. and the community will look to us and say, well, you, you know, you did all this work and why are you failing? Well, we're not, we're Mm -hmm. doing our good work every single day. You know, like we are, doing really good work with people that we're working with and within the system that we have control over. But th- those are two big barriers for us that we just need to fundamentally change. Mm-hmm. And one of the things too, if you don't mind uh, talking about or sharing with our listeners, uh, one of the big things that I kept hearing as a theme is that the sector itself in terms of the service providers are also at a tipping point, right, where um, they're exhausted, like you said. Uh, Many of them are working two jobs just to make ends meet, yet they are the frontline service providers. How how else can the system change to better support the people that are actually delivering these services? Yeah, well, I think I'm I'm hopeful that this kind of broader uh, community investment um, validates and recognizes the, the worth of our staff. Um, who are, you know, really, I mean, they just have worked so hard and they are always learning new things and always having to adjust and change and adapt and work under very stressful situations with very little resources. And too many of them are living check to check, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so that's just not okay. Um, And I think that uh, I I am hopeful that that kind of... um, you know, issue has been brought to light in a way that that's going to start to change. You know, for some, an organization like Unity Project, we we do receive some uh, uh, funding through provincial dollars through the city, but it's only 60% of our budget. We have to fundraise the rest and that's just our base operations. So when we are, you know, when we do uh, wage increases every year, but there's a limit to that because we only, we have a, a a limit to how much we can fundraise. And so we need those core government dollars to also increase, you know, to, to help us do that support for staff. Um, you know, and I think exploring opportunities for frontline staff to have a voice at the table has been really important. Um, I think we need to hear from frontline staff more. Um, I think we need to connect to that frontline support a lot more. Um, and so I'm, I'm really hopeful that that continues as we move through this process too. 
and probably too, in addition to that, even on the short term, uh, where philanthropy can step in to help better support organizations operationally, uh, because oftentimes there is that pushback that they want to just invest in the programs. Well, you can't have the programs without the people behind them, and the people behind them do have to have specialized education and training in these areas. So um, I think this another aha moment in, in this point in time is a greater appreciation for the sector and providing better resources uh, for the sector operationally as well. Yeah, and I think what I would say to that is one, I think it's important for donors who are, you know, are very interested in their investment and really want to understand what, where their investment goes to build those relationships with the charities um, so that that level of trust can be established. Right. And, and that we want to be trusted to do our work and to know where the money needs to, to be spent. Um, and I think that that is, you know, those relationships become really important in order to do that. Um, and I think the other thing that's important to know is this this fund that's been built is not it's not necessarily going to go towards those operational dollars as well. So we're still needing support from our community members financially through this time. That's right. Now, going back to the summit, um, from my perspective, just observing, there was a real sense of collaboration and appetite for people to want to share resources. And I was blown away by that. In your opinion, Chuck, was that always the case in your sector or is this something new that is emerging? What do you think? I think once again, it's about building on a lot that was already there. I mean, um, you know, Unity Project, we don't do our work alone and we never have. We rely entirely on other community organizations um, to work with us to support the participants, participants we serve. And every organization is in that same boat. Right. We don't all have the same specializations. We don't all have the same resources. We don't all have the same roles and responsibilities. So collaboration has been there. Um, You know, I think that what's different here is one, the different players at the table wanting to participate in that collaborative effort as well. Um, And then I think, too, it's just really important about the the public declaration to collaborate and to want to do things in alignment, right? That public declaration helps us hold each other accountable to that. Um, and I think that, that that will make, you know, go a long way for us in the community. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. I, I would agree with you that I you do see the sector has always collaborated. You, ha- you had to. But um, what really was big to observe from our end was the fact that you had the private sector wanting to collaborate as well. You had, you know, the hospitals, too, wanting to, you know, share their resources, too. So that was just magical to see. So and that does give us a sense of hope for what's to come ahead, for sure. Um, I, I have to ask your opinion on this. So um, this is an incredible gift. And and normally gifts of this size do go to, you know, uh, hospitals and or education, which no doubt we, they, they are incredibly needed, right, um, for those institutions and those causes. And also the naming recognition, too, because it's it's encouraging their peers to also step up. It's a signal of of an uh, endorsement of the of the. Um, sector that they're investing in. And so those are all beautiful things. 
But here is this case where there's this family that's made this incredible gift to specifically invest in the most vulnerable in our community. And they don't want their name out there. But I'm curious to know, what does that mean to agencies like yours when things like this happen, that they don't want their name and they're just giving their money quietly? Like, what what does this mean to you and maybe the people that you serve too, from an optics perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always a tricky thing, right? Um, You know, because we want people to donate money. Um, But it is tough when you are operating in the poverty sector, right? That when you have, uh, you know, well-off names of people, you know, um, across the doorway in the archway of where the poor people have to walk under. (laughs) Um, And so it does become, I think it's a little different than a hospital, right? Where those naming opportunities are there. And not that I, not that I think they shouldn't be there. I just think that it comes with some, some level of trepidation sometimes, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but this donation in particular, I mean, geez, what a, what a validation of our work. What a, um, I mean, that's how I'm feeling is I'm feeling like, wow, you trust us as a community, you know, to do what we think is right and, and what works. And, um, you know, we need that, (laughs) you know, we We need that. We need some, some faith in our capacity. We need some, you know, belief that we are able to actually do this work together and, Oh goodness, that is, there's never been a bigger signal than that. Right. Just, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it is, it's quite incredible. I, 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 yeah, it's hard to like put it into words because I've never been in the middle of a plan to do something different and had money ready Mm -hmm. to go for it. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. You do this work. Mm-hmm. together to say we're going to do this and then we're like well we don't have any freaking money to be able to do it you know um yeah. and to be in this position is just unbelievable it's very cool very mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. yeah no I'm, I'm glad you're expressing that because you know from our end too we we see that because we see how agencies are applying for funding through granting programs and 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 jumping through hoops and here is an opportunity where there's this trust uh, where the family is saying, nope, we trust the sector to figure this out and the money's there. So, yeah, that is so beautiful. And I hope that the community continues to rally for your for the sector. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, OK, so finally, what do you think London can be and how do you think we can get there together? Oh, it's <laughs> always a big question, right? I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I think that, you know, I... It's funny because, uh, you know, I've been doing this work a really long time and I still really enjoy it. I love this work. Um, And part of that is because I think this community is capable of big things. Um, And I think that, you know, and I've seen that. It's not, that's not just a a dream or a wish, (laughs) you know, I've seen that happen. I've seen us make big shifts. Our system is entirely different than it was 20 years ago um, when it comes to, you know, responding to homelessness. And I think that we're, we're capable of what needs to be done to make our community, you know, a place where people feel like they belong, where there's community, where there's connection. And I think that those three things connection, community, belonging are going to really, you know, be seen as 
integral um, to the health of a city. I think that they have been a bit dismissed, those pieces. They're there. Those words are there, those kinds of things. But especially after pandemic, I think people realize the value of those things and how it impacts you know, the health and security and safety and stability of our community. And so that that's what I would like, you know, to see London focus on is the, how to make those things happen for everybody who lives here. Very well said. Thank you, Chuck, for your time. It's always great chatting with you. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing the recommendations of the summit and seeing how all of this unfolds for the sector. So great work. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of What Lenin Can Be. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about today's guest, visit us at lcf.on.ca forward slash what Lenin can be. If you like this podcast, tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find links on our website. Thank you again for listening to us.